The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Cardboard Cave. I'm back. It's just me here in the cave. This is Trevor. If you didn't catch the announcement on Facebook or Instagram, which I understand because there's not very many of you on there, because I'm very sporadic with my post, I apologize. But if you didn't catch that, um, basically, end end of the story, because you don't need to know the beginning, my other podcast, Retro Bliss, which has been going on for almost eight years that I do with my friend Johnny, uh, we've ended the podcast. Our last episode was the last one. The good news, I guess, the silver lining is more of my quote-unquote creative energy is going to go into this show. I even made an announcement on social media that I'm probably going to start doing more than just covering board games. I mean, to be fair, we already spent like an hour talking about my bad feet on an episode with Gobby. Um, so, but there there might be other topics and other things that aren't necessarily directly board games. But today is going to be a topic that I just thought about riding the car with my wife. She actually said something. She actually said, hey, you should make that a topic on Cardboard Cave. Like, you know what? You're right. And instead of waiting for Gobby or somebody to join me, I'm just going to hop into it myself. So this is going to be a very much a board game episode. But one more quick show note, along with the ending of Retro Bliss, I've actually really (laughs) kind of gone headfirst into making these little quick and, well, not quick, but rough and simple YouTube videos. So just search for Cardboard Cave on YouTube. This, the last week or two, I've really been hardcore into the, some Lego sets that have come out. So right now there's a bunch of Lego reviews on there for some Donkey Kong Country sets, some Sonic the Hedgehog sets, um... I do compare the new version of Raw, the red, the regular retail edition of Raw from 25th Century Games. I compare that to the original, well, the Uber Play edition, which is the version I had that I've had for about 20 years now. And I compare the two. I have a lot of nostalgia for the Uber Play edition. So how do I think the new one compares? Well, just look for Cardboard Cave on YouTube. There will be more board game videos. For now, it's a lot of Lego, if I'm being honest. I'll also review some a watermelon soda. I review a Sonic the Hedgehog themed energy drink. So yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of garbage on there, but uh, it's just it's been fun, and it is now officially under the Cardboard Cave name. So I consider it the YouTube channel of this podcast, which is weird because it's mostly not board games so far. But let's just go ahead and get into the topic. You saw the episode title. It's kind of clickbaity, which this show needs. We're trying to get it back off the ground running. We need some clickbaity titles. Are simple games for babies? That's the question. And I think I'm going to subtitle this part one because I'm going to focus on like the really simple games this time. Or as a quote unquote gamer, I would consider these really simple games. These still aren't maybe as simple as Uno or, you know, some games you might play with a standard deck of cards. But some of them are pretty darn close to that simple. 
Um, and then I'm probably going to do a part two later where games that you might be thinking of, like Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne, will be the focus. Most of these games I consider, uh, some of them could probably fit either list, but I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm trying to stick with shorter, simpler games that that gamers might even call filler games, you know, the kind of games you play uh, in between bigger games. But there seems to be this thought process, and I know I've mentioned this briefly on the show before, but there's this thought process. I've heard it from other podcasters, including some I really enjoy listening to, that once you've been in, quote-unquote, the hobby, once you've been in the hobby for a few years, you graduate from the simple games, and you start to play more complex games. That's just a natural progression. Well, I'm here to tell you that, at least in my case, that is kind of true. But after a certain point in time, you start to, I guess, regress. <laughs> and you start to really appreciate the simpler games for what they are. Um, you know, I started out in the hobby with, you know, simpler games overall. You know, stuff like Carcassonne and Bonanza, Citadels. Um, Ticket Ride was pretty soon after that. And then I started getting into your Agricola and Lahav, you know, the heavier Euro games. But now, like, if in a perfect world, let me be clear, in a perfect world, I would play medium to medium heavy Euro type games, strategy games, all the time. In a perfect world. But reality is, with small children and other responsibilities, those games don't always happen. And so maybe by necessity, I've grown... I think grown, not regressed, is actually the right word, to appreciate that to make a simple game that still has some compelling qualities is probably in some ways harder than just making a, a complex game to begin with. Or at least it shouldn't be looked down on. So I guess I'm not burying the lead. I do have an appreciation for simple games. I certainly do not believe they're just for babies. But instead of talking about it, I'm just going to introduce some games to you. Some of these, some of you listening are going to be like, yeah, everybody knows about that game. But some of these are going to be new to some of you. So, you know, Ticket to Ride is kind of the first one because it's it's considered the gateway game. Um, But like I said, I'm going to try to go a little simpler, a little shorter even than Ticket to Ride with this list of just games that are really simple and in most cases really quick. But just to to try to explain why I think they're worth considering, even if you've been in this hobby like me for 20 years. I mean, yes, I've played Food Chain Magnate. I've played the other games to give myself cred. <laughs> I played the heavier games, and they are still my preference. But here's why I appreciate these games that are on the total opposite end. So instead of talking about Ticket to Ride, I'm talking about the little 10-minute versions of Ticket to Ride. Um, they're just, they're city names instead of like, you know, normal, you got Ticket to Ride Europe and, and usually it's country names, Africa, etc. These are city names. You got New York, San Francisco, London, Amsterdam. And they're basically, technically all of the things you do in Ticket to Ride, you do in these, but it's massively shortened to literally 10 minutes. I mean, if you spend 15 minutes on a game, you're probably stretching it. And no, I mean, Ticket to Ride itself is not complex. And yes, I would rather play original Ticket to Ride. 
but I am impressed that you can fit some tension and some real decisions. Basically, the heart of Ticket to Ride is here in a 10-minute box. They sell them for 20 bucks. That's the retail price. They still have a nice board. It's just small, a lot smaller. They still have nice pieces and nice little cards. You basically, what games like this impress me with is you basically are packing a whole board game into a small, ultra-fast package. Um, it's not it's not like so simplified that it's pointless. It's just taking the essence of what the game is and still presenting a beginning-to-end board game experience. Now, no, I'm not going to sit down and play Ticket to Ride London and feel like I've just sat down and had a media experience. But it's still a legit board game, and it is absolutely worthwhile when you've only got 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and that, I think, is the value of a game like this. You still want to play a board game. It's certainly a board game. But realistically, you know, you're just playing before dinner. You don't have time for much. So, and really take your pick, whichever is your favorite city. You know, San Francisco has the cool cable cars. Amsterdam, I think Amsterdam has like um, horse and carts. Is that what it has? And maybe it's just carts, but it's a pretty cool looking one. New York has the taxi cabs. And then London has the double-decker buses. So really just pick the one that interests you most. Um, it's they're, they're pretty similar to each other, but like original Ticket Ride, they do play differently just because the maps are different. But I recommend any of them, and they regularly can be found for under $20. All right, just going to name off some more here. Blockus, B-L-O-K-U-S, is one that I've had since it came out. And it's been a while since I played this, but I really appreciate that basically... It has really been a while since I played. But from what I'm remembering, basically, you can only touch your own color. Say you're playing green. You can only touch your own color at the corners. And you're laying these Tetris-shaped pieces, you know, roughly Tetris-shaped pieces, to Tromino's. You're laying them on the board, and you want to get rid of as many of your pieces as you can because your final score is how many of our squares your leftover pieces take up. That's your score, and you do not want points in this game. So if you get rid of everything, you're going to score zero. Um, and you just want to get rid of as many pieces as possible before you're blocked in and can't place anymore. That's why it's called Blockus. And it's that simple. It is best with four players. It still works well with two players. With three players, I remember there's like one open corner, so one person might feel a little ganged up on, but it's just it's a fun game. I really just explained the whole game. You can only touch your pieces at the corners. You can touch other piece, players' pieces anywhere. And you want to get rid of as many pieces as possible. So you're kind of snaking around the board trying to create paths for yourself. But it's a fun game. It's simple. The rules could be explained on the back of the box. In fact, they probably are. But again, it is not mindless. It is far from mindless. Um, Let's see. I've written a lot down here. I don't think I'm going to talk about all of them. Let me just pick some of my favorites. One of my absolute favorite games, and I'll probably never understand exactly why I love this game so much. It's one of those games, though, that I wish I had designed because it is so simple, but is fun literally every time I play it. And that's a dice game called Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a super simple game where you lay out casino tiles in the middle of the area and then each one gets a certain amount of money that you're you're basically drawing from a stack of money cards 
until you hit, hit a certain amount. So, so this casino might have way more money than this one. It just depends. Uh, that's randomized though. And the casinos basically represent different numbers. One through six, one, two, three, four, five, six. And you're rolling dice. And like, let's say you get three threes, you might go in on the three casino, but the person who gets the biggest payout, the biggest bill at the end of that round is whoever has the area majority. In other words, whoever has the most dice of their color. So you don't want to waste a bunch of dice on one if you could win it with just one or two dice. Because sometimes, like the low-paying casinos, people don't, they ignore them. But you might be able to capture it with just one dice. Then it's a bargain, you know? Whereas this this casino that has, you know, a huge amount of payout, payout on it, you know, people might be going crazy over it. But you might spend four dice on it and somebody else has five. And that's when you really have to pay attention. If the second bill, if the second money note is like half of the first one, the second place is not so hot. But on some of the casinos, just depending how the money comes out for that round, maybe second place is almost as good as first. So you're happy with second. And it does not it does not sound like much when I'm just explaining it. I realize that. But it is a blast. It's a total blast. It plays, I believe it's technically two to five players. Um, so it's not like some big party game. It's like standard player count for a board game. It probably takes 30 minutes. Um, I did not explain it well, but I did explain most of the rules right there. It's great. There's a new black box edition. I think it might be called a Las Vegas Deluxe. I think it's the same game. It just looks way different, and it includes an expansion in the box, if I'm not mistaken. But whatever version is out now, whatever version you can get, if you like rolling dice even a little bit, you you got to check out Las Vegas. I think it's fantastic. Uh Karuba, K-R, sorry, K-A-R-U-B-A, Karuba, is a dirt simple game where you're laying tiles. It's, so, it's sort of like Bingo meets Carcassonne, but to be honest, it's probably even simpler than Carcassonne. The brilliance of a game like Karuba is you can play, you could technically play, if you had enough copies of the game, you could play with basically an unlimited number of people. It is one of the few games that I've intentionally bought two copies of because with only some minor adjustments, you can play with more players if you have more copies of the game. Because what happens is one person is designated as the tile drawer, the bingo caller, basically. They flip over a face-down tile, and whatever that location is, let's say it's E5, everybody has to put a tile on E5. But you have your own selection of tiles and you can choose which tile you put there. And the whole goal is to make pathways. Uh, I think it's from the beach to the jungle. Anyway, you're trying to get from one side to the other. And along the way, you're collecting things and you're just trying to get the most points. Um, But because everybody's basically playing at the same time, it, it's super quick. It's It's somehow even simpler than what I was just trying to explain it. I've not played it in a while, so I'm not explaining it well, but it's it's simple <clears throat> and it's quick. Now, it is it is one that's so simple that I'll admit when I've played it, I've wished there was just a little bit more going on. But here's the thing. You don't look at a game like, and here's sort of my point of this episode, are simple games for babies. No, because you don't look at a game like Karuba and think, man, I wish it was, I wish I was playing... Agricola right now or uh, Twilight Imperium. No, you look at it and say, 
man, this is a lot better than just playing, I don't know, Monopoly or Uno. Those probably aren't good choices, but, you know, it's 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 about as simple as a game like Uno, almost as simple. But when you compare it to something like that, you realize there's actually a lot more going on. There's a lot more to think about and enjoy. If you're only comparing it to other heavy hobby board games, then no, Karuba is too simple. But now, don't get me wrong, if you're blessed with unlimited time to play games and people in your life who just literally play board games anytime and they don't care how heavy it is, they don't care how hard the rules are, then you know what? Some of these games, I probably would say, you probably don't need. And maybe Karuba is one of those. For me, Karuba is the game that I probably won't pull out if I have a group of quote-unquote gamers over who have two hours to kill. Karuba is a game I might pull out with family and friends who didn't necessarily get together just to play board games, but they were willing to, you know, that kind of thing. To contrast, Las Vegas, which I just, just talked about, I will play that game anytime. <laughs> I'll play that anywhere. I'll play that game over a heavy Euro game. That's how much I enjoy it. And let's stick with the dice thing. Can't Stop is a classic game from a master game designer, Sid Saxon. And it's just a dice rolling push your luck game. You're trying to get your little traffic cones up to the top and claim the numbers. Uh, you're rolling four dice and you, you have to make two pairs. So if you have a four and a five and a six and a two, you're combining those dice any way you want to to make two pairs. And you're moving your traffic cones up based on that number. So in other words, like a two, that means you'd have to roll snake eyes, two ones. So the two column is really short. You only have to move three times to capture that column because the chances of rolling two ones is a lot smaller than, say, rolling seven because you got a three and a four or a four and a three, obviously, would be a seven. A six and a one, a five and a two. Um, sevens can be rolled a lot. So therefore, the column to claim a seven is a lot longer. But anyways, you're just moving up these columns, but it's a push-your-luck game and you don't want to bust. And you bust if once you get three cones out, the ones you're moving for that turn, if you cannot advance any of those cones with your roll, you bust and you lose your progress for that turn. So you'll see people try to move all the way up the board with one turn, and it's amazing when they pull it off, but it's also really, it's really pushing your luck to do that. It's also the best title for a board game ever based on how accurate it is, because when you play, you feel like you can't stop. You just got to go a little further, and usually you bust. Push. Push is a card game with one large die that came out way after Can't Stop. It's a pretty new game. It's definitely influenced by Can't Stop, but it's also brilliant and actually feels quite a bit different. Push is very simple, but it's, it's this idea of collecting sets of cards and then banking them. But you have to use a whole turn to bank them, and you can only bank one color at a time. So what cards you take, uh, when you decide to bank, and whenever you have to roll the die, that usually ends up being a it can end up being a bad thing. Uh, but basically, the the main meat of this game is a simple thing that has been in some other games I really enjoy, including one that I'll talk about next. In fact, it's this idea that you're making multiple stacks of cards. In this game, it's three stacks, and whenever you draw a card, you decide which stack it goes in. But there's a rule that you can't put a card of the same color in a stack or a card with the same number as any other number in that stack. 
So what you're doing is you're trying to make a great stack for yourself without busting. But also, two other players are going to get the other stacks you're making. So maybe you don't want to make three stacks. Maybe you just want to make one stack. But if you're forced to play a card that won't fit in your stack, you have to make another stack. And if at any point you can't put the card you just drew in any of the stacks based on the color or number rule, then you busted. You get nothing. And the other players still do get something. But it's also hilarious because in the stack is the die symbol. And nobody wants to roll the die because you can end up losing a whole color worth of cards, like all your greens or all your blues. That's what the die does. And so you're putting this die card in a stack and the person beside you is like, no, no, no. But then there's reverse cards. So it also reminds me a little bit of Uno. And so if you're about to get a bad stack from the current player and a reverse card comes up, you start cheering because now that bad stack's going to the other direction, you know, counterclockwise. Anyways, it's, I'm making it sound more complex than it is. It's cheap. It's a blast. Honestly, because it's so small and so cheap, right now I might actually pull out Push instead of Can't Stop. But you got to understand, I played Can't Stop probably hundreds of times. Uh, my wife and I used to have an app, so anytime we had to wait five minutes at a restaurant, we'd play Can't Stop. So Push, I don't know if it'll stand the test of time like Can't Stop, but it feels like a modern classic Push Your Luck game to me. Um, Colorado. That's the game I just alluded to. Colorado is C-O-L-O-R, color, then Edo, E-T-T-O. It's got chameleon cards that are different colors, and you have three stacks. So this is what I was saying. Push did borrow this from this game, I believe. You have three stacks that these colored chameleon cards go into. And on your turn, you only have two choices. You either take a stack of cards that already exist, or you add to a stack. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm combining the two games. You don't have three stacks. You have one stack per player in the game. Three cards is the limit that can go in any stack. So you can either add to a stack that doesn't already have three cards, or you can claim a stack. Once you claim the stack, you're out for the round. And the goal by the end of the game is to be strong in exactly three colors. But for every color you have besides your three best, those are going to be negative points, and it compounds. So, like, two cards might be worth three points, but six might be worth 15. And I don't know if that's exactly right. I think I'm going by Ticket to Ride scoring. <laughs> but it's something like that. But, like, let's say you have four reds, five greens, three yellows, but maybe you've also got three pinks. Well, the three yellows or the three pinks, one of those are going to be negative. So that's going to be like six negative points. And then maybe you also have a loose card of another color. That's going to be another negative point. Um, so you want to be strong in three colors, but not any other colors. And so when you're choosing between placing a card or taking a row, it's and this is what I love about actually cleverly designed simple games, there is a lot that goes into that choice. <laughs> Because you're thinking, you can see what everybody else has been going for the whole game. If I put this green card here, Jim Bob is going to eat it up. Because he already has five greens and he wants the sixth one really bad. But if I put it over here, he really doesn't want any more pink. Because he's already got one pink that's just wasted. This will give him two. That's going to be negative points. And so you're looking at what other people want. 
You're considering what you want. But you also don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to put it on a color you don't want just to spite someone else. So there's a lot that goes into that decision. That is the game. The scoring, collecting sets of cards, that's fine. But the game is that decision. Where do I put this card? Or before we even draw the card, do I just take a row? Because you don't know what's on that deck. And once you draw the card, it's too late. You have to place it. But you can choose to just take a column of cards before you draw. And that's the whole game, like, is that decision. And I've always thought that Colorado was brilliant. And it is, I would say, just a small step up from Uno or Phase 10 or, like, Basic Rummy. It's just a small step up complexity-wise. Barely a step up at all. But for me, offers so many better, more fun decisions compared to games like that. So, again, no, I wouldn't compare Colorado to... Race for the Galaxy, you know, a complex, medium-weight strategy card game. But compared to Uno, it blows the doors down. I mean, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I highly recommend Colorado. I think it's back in print. back in print, And it should be less than $10 if it is, because it's just a card game. Another simple card game that I don't know if it's still available, but I'm talking about it because it's one I've had for years. It's called No Thanks. It's only a handful of cards. It it might be 35 cards, that sounds about right, and a pile of, of chips, like little tiny poker chips. And it is, like Colorado, you can play this with your aunts and uncles. I know this because I played it. I actually played a game with my wife's aunts and grandma, um, grandma who's in her 70s, and her aunts, none of who, as far as I know, have ever played a quote-unquote hobby board game. We played about four rounds, about four games of no thanks. And they were getting into it. Like they were just trying to stick it to each other uh, more than try to win the game, which was hilarious. Because in no thanks, you don't want points. And your choice is to take the top card from the pile or say no thanks and put a chip down. But you've only got so many chips and chips count as negative points. So you want to hold on to them. But if you don't have any chips left, you've got to take the card when it comes back around to you. The trick is, Whoever does take the card also gets all the chips that are on the card. So it's just back and forth. But the cards range from, I think it's 1 to 35. And the only twist to that is, if you have a run, like 6, 7, 8, only the 6 would count as points. So let's say somebody ends up with, say, a 30 and a 32. Ouch. That's going to be 62 points, which is probably enough to lose the game. But if they get the 31 card, Ah, now it only counts as 30 points because it's 30, 31, 32. They made a run. Only the lowest count in any run count, the lowest card in any run counts. Um, And it's a brilliant little twist. Between that and the chips, it's super duper simple, but it's a game you can pop out and play around in maybe 10 minutes, maybe less than that. And again, it just, it's really no more complex than a basic card game that most people have been playing their whole lives. You know, standard, um, basic card games, but has simple but fun nail-biting choices. Like, yeah, like it's just great in that way. Let's see. I think I want to talk about a couple more here. Ink and Gold. I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't talk about Ink and Gold. You'll notice a trend here. Some of my favorite simple games that just impress me are push-your-luck games. 
In other words, it's not just blind luck. It's pusher luck. You choose how much you want to push it. And Ink and Gold, I think, does that better than any game I've ever played. Maybe with the exception of Can't Stop. But Ink and Gold adds a theme to it. And it's a theme that works. Basically, you're all diving down in this deep, dark cave. And you're turning over cards. It doesn't really matter who turns them over. Because you're all in the same cave together. And as you turn over cards, gem cards come up. And that adds to the the general supply of gems. But disasters also come up. And it's when you start getting duplicate disasters that causes trouble. Like a single snake is fine. But if you turn over a sin- another snake, it's going to bite everybody that's left in the cave. You know, one rockfall is fine. But if you turn over a second one, it's going to get everybody. And you know how many of each are in the game. It has been too long since I played. But I think it might just be three of each card. Like three of each snake, rock slide, etc. Spiders. But you don't want to get caught in the cave or you're not going to get anything. But if you back out too soon, you might see everybody else raking in the riches while you backed out with your split. And if two people back out at the same time, for example, you're going to be splitting whatever has been found so far. So what happens is if somebody is really daring, they might end up being the only person left in the cave. Maybe there's a snake out there and a rockfall and spiders and and it's just looking like sudden doom. But they decide to stick in and they're the last one left. And all of a sudden, a huge gem pile, a huge gem card comes out. And now, if they decide to leave after that card is turned over, they're going to have it all for themselves. They're not going to be splitting with anybody. So it's a game that rewards pushing your luck. But it can also bite you. Um, I think Ink and Gold is brilliant. Ink and Gold does play a big group, too. I think that's one of the great things about it. It plays up to seven or eight players. I think it might be eight. But it's it's great. I'm pretty sure some version of it is still in print. Um, and it's the same game as Diamante, but Ink and Gold is the newer version. As far as I know, that's the version that's still available. Highly recommend it. For Sale. We'll just keep moving on here. For Sale is another simple card game that's anything but but stupid. You know, It's another one that's not just for babies. For Sale is a game that has two unique halves. In the first half, you are um, selling. Sorry, hold on. In the first half, you're buying properties. So you might buy a doghouse, which is a really low. The numbers are, I think it's one to 30, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the doghouse might be a two or a three. And it goes all the way up to a space station, at least in the version I have. A space station is like the 30 guard. And you got mansions. You got big home, regular ranch style homes. You got a cardboard box, I think, is actually the lowest card in the game. So you got these homes that range from a cardboard box all the way up to a space station. And you're bidding with your money, your cash money. To It's an auction game. You're bidding to win these properties. And so if the doghouse and the space station show up in the same turn people are going to be bidding crazy because nobody wants to get stuck with the doghouse. But maybe in this round, it's like a, an RV and a doghouse and, I don't know, a shed. And maybe they're all pretty close together in number, so none of them are that much better than the other. People might be a little more mild with their bidding, bidding because they're all just, eh, they're just okay cards. But anyways, you got that half. And then... You do the second half with whatever properties you won, 
That's now your hand of cards in the second half. And checks. There's checks that are put out in the middle of the table. And that's the selling offers, basically, for whatever house you play that turn. So if the highest check in the game comes out, I don't even remember what it is. Say it's $20 million. If the $20 million check comes out, you better believe if I got the space station, I'm probably going to be playing it. But what about Jimmy over here? Maybe he has the number 29, which is like the Biltmore estate. It's like some huge house. It's like, oh, he knows that somebody won the, he knows I won the space station. So he may not want to play the 29 because he might waste it. But much like um, some of the other games I mentioned, there's that twist of if you got the space station, I'm sorry, the, the $20 million check comes out at the same time as a void check, which is $0. You definitely don't want to be the lowest, but but what do you play? You don't want to waste your best cards because there's going to be more checks to come out. Um, if, if a bunch of mediocre checks come out that are all about the same, then people are probably going to be playing their mediocre properties. But you never know. People can be shrewd and get some really good stuff with low checks or low properties. Excuse me. For sale is brilliant. There's three to six players. Takes about 30 minutes. I really just explained the game to you. The only thing you need to look up is, is what do you start with and how much money you start with and that kind of thing. For sale is great. It's a classic. <clears throat> I've had it since, I don't know, early 2000s. And I'm actually itching to pull it out again. It's been a long time. Um, let's see. Some of these I wrote down, I think, can almost fit the next list. Um, I think I might mention... Yeah, I think I'll end with a game called Skull. Now, this is not Skull King. Skull King is like a trick-taking card game. And it is pretty simple. But I don't think it's quite simple enough to make this list I'm talking about right now. Skull, however, is so simple that when I first read the rules, I thought, I don't think there's a game here. Where's the game? But the game is the players at the table. <laughs> what the players bring to the table is the game. And Skull is kind of brilliant for that. It can fall flat if you don't have people who get into it. Skull is just a stack of coasters. And they're re really cool design. Like there's there's schools all over them, but with all kinds of designs. And they might have rethemed this to be a little less, I guess, macabre or whatever. I can't remember. But basically, the game is... Oh, wow. It's been a long time since I played it. The game is simply making a choice, though, of... Wow. Oh, you know what? I remember the feeling of playing the game. I remember the tension. I remember almost literally being on the edge of my seat deciding when to play my coaster but what I'm not remembering is actually how you win the game which is really telling that the game experiences I played of this have stuck with me I I remember specifically where I was and the people at the table of certain games of school but I can't tell you how you actually win the game except you're trying to collect coasters and you're playing these coasters. They look like drink coasters. This is quite funny, the components. You could actually just play with drink coasters, really. But check out School. Look for somebody who actually knows how to explain the game. It has been too long since I played. But I do know with the right, right group, it can really be something. I think every other game here 
probably would fit my next list. My next list of just ever so slightly more complex. These are all like real simple. I mean, probably the most the most complicated game I explained to you. I don't know. None of them are complicated. Maybe the ten minute, the ticket drive, New York, San Francisco, uh, London. But those are so simple. But maybe I mean rules wise, those probably have more rules than any of these other games. Uh, that's just how simple these games are. But most certainly not for babies. Great games. Um, every one of these games. Let's say that I only could recommend three of these to you. If I can only recommend three. Oh, man. Oh. Woo. All right. You got to have one that's push your luck. And and we got some great ones there. Ink and gold. Can't stop. Push. Oh, man. Those are all push your luck games. Oh. Uh, can't stop is the classic. I adore that game. You know what, though? Push is available right now. It's like 10 bucks. I'm going to say push. If you're only going to pick one of the push your luck games, get push. But you should also get ink and gold. And you should probably also get can't stop, even though it's sort of similar to push. But I'm going to say push. And I'm going to say Viva Las Vegas. So Las Vegas, push. Mm, the third one's hard. There's some classics here. Oh, man. Although I personally probably love Colorado. The most, I'm going to go no thanks. Because I just think anybody's going to play no thanks and have a good time with it. So let's go push Las Vegas, no thanks. If you can only pick three from this list. Those aren't necessarily all three my favorites from this list. But I think they're all three crowd pleasers and available and pretty cheap. And Las Vegas is just a personal favorite. So there you go. That's been this episode of simple but not stupid games that most definitely are not just for babies this has been part one i'll probably do a part two at some point that's games like ticket to ride and carcassonne like that level of game that are still simple but we'll decide if they really have merit or if we should just if you should just grow up and play you know nothing besides heavy games so you probably already know my opinion there but there you go thanks for listening to the cave check out the youtube channel cardboard cave I really do appreciate you all, and take care.